Welcome to Whatever Works, our unique fortnightly podcast in which we talk about whatever works in our lives and in the lives of our community members. Find us at whateverworks.works. And why not join our community? Simply search for Whatever Works at mewe.com and get stuck in. It's Christmas! <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas, all and sundry. Hello, it's us, whatever worksing. I'm eating a mince pie. Mm. Excuse me. In traditional. F- oh, it's dry. I'm going to need to. Oh, I'll have, I'll have a coffee. Hello, everybody. Aiden's having a private party. We're bringing this to you on Christmas Eve. And we've got Chris on Christmas Eve. Chris Kelly. Hello, everybody. It's nice to be back. I hadn't thought of that. Chris Kelly Miss Eve. Yes, very good, Ted. <laughs> Thank you, yes. <laughs> Did take some working out. But there you go. It's um yes, it's Christmas Eve, so um Santa will be along later, no <laughs> doubt. Ho ho ho. <laughs> and uh, maybe down your chimney stack as well as on our show. Whatever works dot works is where you'll find links to all the stuff we're gonna talk about in today's festive festivity. Yay. <laughs> tedsalmon.com for me aidenbell.com for Aiden and Chris where are best people tracking you down probably on Twitter is it um, I have been spending more time on Twitter um, I am at motorsports fan on there but uh, usually MeWe is the best place for me oh right okay good for you MeWe is the best place for everybody and everything yeah we'll put links in the show notes to all of those things of course as always and don't forget to join us in the MeWe group lots of good goings on in there whatever works in your lives as well as ours we'll bring the highlights of that to the show uh, Chris we're starting with some um, feedback from the last show and also some um, chippings in from the group before we go on though I will say that Steve Litchfield was supposed to be joining us today but unfortunately his dad died yesterday and he's had to fly off and start the whole rigmarole of what he needs to do for organising that down in the West Country and so he was not able to join us after all very sad for him of course and we wish him all the best but we will pick up on his bits and pieces that he was going to bring to the show and read them on his behalf I raise a mince pie to you Mr Litchfield <laughs> raise a mince pie and to his dad yes mm. condolences mm. so yeah his dad looks like I never met his dad but his dad looks like a very chirpy chappy and um yeah, very sad indeed. Okay, Chris, feedback. Uh, yes, in the last show, uh, somebody brought the Hunt for Torch slash lighter slash multi-tool thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and there was an uh, ongoing debate between you and Aiden about um, what on earth is a prime bar. Absolutely, yeah. I remember, um, yes. <laughs> yes, well, it was a typo. It's actually a pry bar. So for prying lit... Um, Tins of paint, lids off, and that sort of thing. Ah, a excellent. A screwdriver, in other words. <laughs> I, yeah. I did go back and look at that afterwards, and just to, to um, console myself, and it did say Prime Bar, didn't it? On their, yes, yeah, on, yeah. On their blurb. <laughs> so someone <laughs> needs to put that right, I think. <laughs> okay, well, try and okay. make no more mistakes from now onward. Steve yeah. Lotchfield <laughs> brings us a thermometer for adults. No touch forehead digital thermometer. Steve, as you said, Ted was going to be here. And I hope on his behalf, I can explain to you that he, he needed a thermometer to tell his father's temperature without involving him knowing how to, without involving him knowing how to keep a traditional thermometer under his tongue. His motor coordination and twitchiness at 85 made this very difficult. So, says Steve, we tried forehead strips, but they're too inaccurate. Hence this, apparently used in some shops and schools. Indeed, Steve, I've, I've seen it used in all sorts of places, theatres and cinemas and football matches. Just pointed at the person and instantly their temperature is shown. Virtual magic. A choice of units and a large clear screen. I was very impressed. And Steve Litchfield, I'm impressed. £16? Goodness wow. me. I remember when lockdown started and I was very concerned to get my mother's temperature, I bought one of these ear thermometers, which I remember we talked about on the show, Ted. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the special little plastic things for, for hygiene and you stick it in your ear. This is so much better and a third of the price. So great find, Steve. Yeah, yeah. I get zapped with these when I go to um, the, the surgery. And I just didn't realise they were so cheap, I don't think. That's really good, isn't it? And I, I wonder how what well, he says they're um, accurate... Um, well, actually, he doesn't say they're accurate, but he says that they are 
um, my, the, the the forehead strips are not accurate. Yes, so he, yes. But by, by, by inference, he's saying that these are. But I think also um, by the fact that we've all seen, I mean, I'm sure you too, Chris, we've all seen these being used in the real world a great deal, so they must be fairly reliable. My, yeah, but my point, Aidan, is that maybe the ones that they use in surgeries <laughs> are, are, not, are not 16 quid <laughs> yes. Amazon specials. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Chris, have you any I, ideas? I think it's one of those things where technology has moved on back in the days when i worked in engineering um when metals had to be uh, heat treated they would use these sort of things to assess the temperature of the metal it it basically works a bit like the um thermal imaging cameras that get attached to phones and and that sort of thing it's, it's right. measuring the amount of infrared radiation that's coming off yeah. but i think it's just you know as time has progressed the components got cheaper so now they can offer something fairly accurate for 16 quid, which is phenomenal. Fantastic. Stay there, Mum. I'm going to measure your infrared radiation. It doesn't have the same ring, does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Into the kitchen with you, Chris. Oh, um... So, <laughs> Slinky Link almost failed. <laughs> no, that wasn't that wasn't a command. Go away, get in the kitchen, and let us get on with it. <laughs> he was like, what? Who? Where? Um, <laughs> uh, Judy Lopez on poaching eggs in a microwave. Um, so she uh, found some instructions about how to poach eggs, which is to put 150 ml of water into a mug, uh, crack your egg into the water in the mug, put that into the microwave, 800 kilowatts. 800 kilowatts, by me. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, for 1 minute and 25 seconds, and amazingly, perfect poach eggs ensue. Uh, none of this boiling water in a pan, adding vinegar and swirling nonsense. It just works very well. Um, the tip is from uh, Gentob Loeb, was use cold water, and depending on the size of the egg and how soft you want it, you can vary the time by 10 seconds. Um, I can actually uh, confirm that this strategy works. Um, yeah. My good lady, um, once a week, treats herself to a poached egg on toast for her breakfast. Uh, she actually uses... Um, Oh, I've forgotten the name of those fancy plastic microwavable things that have the lids that flip Sistema. Off. Sistema, that's the one. Yes, she uses a Sistema one uh, rather than just a mug. Um, but yes, it, it's very, very effective and, and much easier than faffing around with a pan. I can vouch for that too, because if you remember, Ted, I think we talked about it on the show a year or two ago, and I've got a... It's not as good as a Sistema one. It's a cheap and cheerful thing, probably off eBay, but it does exactly the same. Pop a little water in it, put the egg in, chuck it in the microwave, and Bob's your uncle. Brilliant. So thank you, Judy, and thank you, Jen Top. Um, these are good tips. Um, I tend to do that whole thing in. I, I know you can do this in a microwave, but I just tend to do it on on the the, the top, on the hob, on the on the on the, the gas. Um, I don't know. It just seems to be a bit of a ritual, really. I put my pepper in and my vinegar in, and all those things that you know. She says no swirling around nonsense. I quite like doing that. <laughs> But there each, you go. Each to their own, Mr. Salmon. I completely concur. Indeed. It is certainly a good tip, though. Black & Decker, two kilowatt fan heater is next. Even I get cold sometimes, you know. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I had this... Um, you might remember a while ago, I bought this um, fan heater onto whatever works, which was um, very good. And I'd had it for ages. Mm -hmm. And it was made by... Oh, what was the company? It was already a dimplex. That was it. And I was saying how great it was and good it was. And um, I, I found another one. This is a Black & Decker one. Now, whether Black & Decker is really the old Black & Decker, I don't know. But even so, I mean, the branding might have been bought yes. out or whatever. Yeah. But it's a lovely little fan heater, which really does work very well. does what it says on the tin. Um I, I've got a little room where I do my podcasting and my static, and if I shut the door on this, and it's really cold. Last night it was under freezing point um, here outside, and it was really very cold, even for me. But I shut the door and put this thing on for about five minutes on full belt, which is uh, two kilowatts, and um, you know, for about five minutes, I, I can get enough heat and be very toasty warm for, you know, like half an hour or so and then do it again. Um, it's not completely silent. 
um, not silent enough for recording a podcast, but it's com- it's really otherwise kind of unnoticeable. You can switch the just like the Dimplex one; you, it goes from one thousand to two thousand, and you can it's got a thermostat cut out if you want to do it that way and not keep turning it off on and off like I do every half an hour. The power lead is six foot long, which is nice, and it's it looks thick and sturdy. It looks like it's well made, not some cheap Chinese rubbish. Um, red light on top. Um, nice plastic it's made of. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a really nice little, um, a nice little, uh, um, a fan heater, and it does the job, does what it says, and it's great. 20 quid. Can't go wrong. Black & Decker 2 kilowatt fan heater. Link in the show notes. Indeed, as you say, Ted, the fact that it says Black & Decker, even if it's not Black & Decker of old, at least we know that's a name that we should be able to trust, which you've proved you yeah. can. Yeah, it does seem like it. Chris, do you know if Black & Decker is the Black & Decker of old? Um, I don't. Um, right. I, I do know that in the power tools um, world, they're perhaps not as robust as they once were. Ah. Um, uh, I think the tradespeople would tend to go for something like a, a Makita, but whether Makita make fan haters, I've got no idea. I thought Makita was a song by Elton John. But never mind. Um, <laughs> I tell you what I'm bringing you. It's Christmas time. You may have noticed. Happy Christmas! Um, Christmas tree lights out in the garden. I need timers all over the place to time my lights. So I had to get some more timers. And I just wanted to bring you this pack of three uh, Mega Cure... I don't know what they're curing. Mega Cure 24-hour square timers. And I say a tosh upon these nasty digital things with menus you don't understand and you don't know if they're working <laughs> properly. A tosh on digital technology. Give me good old-fashioned mechanical timers every time. Knobs and buttons rock. These do exactly what they say on the tin. You know, you, you lift the thing up. They've got lots and lots of little, little, I don't know what you call them, little catchy buttony things all the way around. And you lift up where you want the thing to be on and you press down where you want the thing to be off and it goes round every 24 hours and that's it. Nice and simple, works every time. You can even put your ear to it and hear a nice little sort of crunch tick 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 saying I'm working away, I'm doing what I'm meant to. Love it. And cheap at half the price. Funny you should mention that Aidan because just last week or the, no last month when the clocks changed, that digital one with all the buttons and the LCD displays, my mum was trying to change oh, it for yes. the, and, and she just couldn't do it and in the end she just like uh, press the reset button and start it again. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I mean, I, people know that I'm stupid. I've been doing this show for two years. People are well aware that I'm an idiot. I had one of these mechanic, uh, digital ones a year or so ago, and I, I couldn't cope like your mother. I just threw my hands up in in the air and bought a bought a good old fashioned mechanical one instead. <laughs> go on, Chris. You're dying to. Yeah, go on. <laughs> we we had one of the uh, digital ones on our boiler. Um, and it packed up after a few years. And when the engineer came round, um, he said, what do you want? Do you want the digital one or the mechanical one? And we went for the mechanical one, exactly the same as uh, your plug-in uh, things. And um, we now control our boiler with the old-fashioned way with the little tabs that you press in and... Excellent. Yeah, Little tabs, yeah. that's the word I wanted, Chris. I tell you what, I've actually got a product that I'll be bringing on to the next show. I've just had to buy for my studio, because the heating's crap in here, uh, a little one of these little stone radiators that you mount to the wall. And oh, that yes, yep. is entirely digital, and I am not looking forward to having to work through. I think the the book's about 60 pages long of how to use this thing. I, I shall bring but, a report. But it is in 200 different languages. Exactly. I shall bring a frustrated report in, in Korean next show yeah. <laughs> about how I tried to program this thing. <laughs> and now it's time for a Christmas beer. Indeed. Many years ago, well, let's be honest, it was many decades ago, because I am that old, um, I had a go at making homemade beer. And at the time, I would buy my kits from my local Boots. Um, that's a pharmacy chain for our American fans. Um, and they had a corner dedicated to the hobby of home brewing, and it had all the paraphernalia and all the kits. I've no idea if it was my lack of competence uh, or the products themselves, but every attempt proved to be an abject failure. They were all rubbish. Um, so recently, in a fit of amnesia, around a month ago, I acquired a homebrew starter kit from a company called Love Brewing, which isn't far from me over in Chesterfield. Um, mm. So I got all the buckets and all the pipes and all the bits and pieces, and with it came this 
uh, homebrew kit, which was a, um, a malt concentrate and then all the sugars and all the bits and pieces and the yeast and everything. And I put it all together and gave it a couple of weeks to ferment. And then I decanted that into <laughs> bottles and added a little bit more sugar for the second fermentation in the bottles. And I have to say, I don't know if it's that my competence has improved, which is highly unlikely. Um, I think it's the kits that have just improved beyond all recognition from those that we used to get in the 70s. Yeah. The beer that it's turned out is absolutely lovely. Mm. Really hoppy and fruity flavours. Um, nice and refreshing. Uh, fairly potent. It's about 6% uh, proof. And it's made 40 pints for effectively 24 quid, so 60p a pint. Uh, I don't know what your beer yeah. costs around there, but around here it's about a fiver a pint. So I think that's an absolute bargain. Five pound a pint, is it? Yep. Good grief. I, I can't remember the last time I went into a pub. But um, <laughs> five pound a pint, my word. Yeah, if you're down south, you're nearer six or seven pounds. Really? really? You yeah. see, I'm not a beer drinker either. That, that Oh, God, that astonishes me. I'm a beer drinker, but um, I, I just don't go into pubs anymore. I get my beer from the supermarket. But anyway, um, what I was going to say was, Chris, that I did this as well back in the day. I had a go at what you were describing, and it was absolutely disgusting. I think we might have said this on the show before. <laughs> it was just horrible. I just couldn't ugh, couldn't even drink it. It was revolting. And I did everything exactly as the book said, and the airing cupboard was in, employed. You still have to use an airing cupboard with this. Um, I don't have an airing cupboard because we're on a combi boiler, so um, we don't oh, have yeah. one. So what I had was a, it's a little, looks like a square piece of plastic with a wire hanging out of it that you plug into the wall, um, and it's a little heat pad that you stand your oh, fermenter right. on top of. Okay. It, 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 it burns about the same as a sixty watt bulb in terms of right. um, energy, but it, it just keeps everything uh, ticking over at the right temperature. So you wouldn't want to be a beer maker if you were a cat owner, would you? Or you'd find the mat was constantly in use. <laughs> How long do you have to leave it um, to do that set that part of it? I can't remember. So the, the first bit in the bucket was supposed to be um, about five to seven days. Right. The problem was that where I put it, which I thought was warm, which is in the utility room next to a radiator, it really didn't get warm enough. So it sat there for about three or four days, not really starting the fermentation. Right. Um, so I had to then rush out and buy this pad that then got things going. Ah, but I, right. I have since uh, read reviews of these beer kits from other people, and they talk about extending that first fermentation <laughs> anyway, uh, as it helps to improve the flavour. Um, I'm about yeah. uh, two weeks in since bottling it, um, and they do say that's kind of the minimum that you want before you start drinking it. But it's it's cleared nicely, as you will see from the uh, the photograph I put into the show notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, I'm going to move the crates into the garage, um, take a few away with me while I go away for Christmas. But um, the rest of them will go into the garage to chill. Do you get those bottles with the kit as well? Uh, that that was part of the kit, yes. Get yeah. um, forty of those um, brown plastic bottles, screw. Oh, I see. They're pint bottles, are they? Yes. Okay. okay. Right. Oh, they look really nice. That that's a really good story because, like you, as I say, I've tried this and it was a disaster. And perhaps you're right. Maybe they just made it good now and made it um, foolproof. Not that you're a fool, but um, <laughs> you know, made it more accessible for everyone. Provided you drink beer. Lovely. Link in the show notes to that. Love Brewing of Chesterfield. Although I'm sure they'll send it to you as well. <laughs> now, um, Michael Warner is next on the Lenovo Smart Clock Essential with Google Assistant. We know something about this, don't we, Aidan? Oh, we do, sir. I'll tell you what my bargain of the year has been so far. The Lenovo Smart Clock with Google Assistant, which I use as a bedside clock. It has a nightlight which you can turn on using the assistant, a USB port on the back, 
for charging another device, all the expected Google Assistant features, and the clock face dims down nicely at night to stop it being blindingly bright, which would suit Aiden. It's even <laughs> cheaper than usual today at a ridiculous 15 quid. So we'll put a link in the show notes. It may not be 15 quid by the time you click on it. But anyway, um, he suggests that you recommend, that he recommends that you go out and buy one. Now, Aiden, what do we know about this? Well, we know, first of all, thank you very much for that, Mike. Mike. And it may actually have been your recommendation that caused you, Ted, to find the Lenovo Smart Clock 2, which you mm-hmm. got very excited about a couple of shows ago and after you got very excited about it I also got very excited and said oh oh I want one as well well exactly like that the tall and the short (laughs) of it is that Ted and I are now both owners of the Lenovo Smart Clock 2 and um, we're planning a a, a mega for the world first double review so watch this space ladies and gentlemen Ted and I shall simultaneously review the same item from both Wales and England (laughs) <laughs> as he glossed, as he glossed over the issue, I will say that Aidan bought this for me for my Christmas <laughs> present, and that's very kind indeed. He went off to. Oh, you're it very was, <laughs> It was it, it was actually quite difficult to get them. They're in short supply. If you wanted the Wi-Fi pad as well as the actual That's right, unit, well, there's a cheap charger part that comes with it, isn't there? That's right. But we'll come to that in, when we do the review. But the point is that we couldn't get them, and you went off to somewhere Umbigumbi Land and got them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's freshly delivered from Umbi Gumbi Land, and yours arrived. And I, I yeah, your, and yours arrived remarkably quickly. I posted yours on a Friday night, and you received it on the Saturday, which astounded yeah. me. Yeah, it's um, really good though. It's a, a lovely present, and thank you so much. You're very welcome. Your life now belongs to me, Ted. Um, <laughs> we will come. We will come, in in the first show in January. We'll come back to that, and we'll tell you what we found out about these wonderful little devices. <laughs> oh dear, thank you. Um, moving on to Steve Litchfield's next item. which is the Magic Wallet. Now, this does indeed... You really do need to see the pictures, dear listener, so check out the pictures as I read this to you. Steve says, I was trying to slim down my traditional wallet and go down to three cards plus my COVID pass cardboard. I'm going to stop you there, Steve. What is a COVID pass cardboard? Do you get a... Can you be issued a cardboard COVID pass? I just thought you print it out on the computer and it comes out in A4. I've got I've got a card that they they signed. And, and, oh, and... the initial thing that they sign when yeah, you actually yeah. get your jab. Okay, okay, yeah, understood. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Steve. Going on. This does have a coin pocket, says Steve, but carrying around coins defeats the object, so I don't. The elastic means you can flip it into various modes. You have to see the photos to appreciate the idea, says Steve. And I keep a couple of notes in the elastic straps for emergencies. It works well for me and it's way less than one and it's less than one centimetre thick. Unlike my old wallet, which was more like three times that. Yeah, I remember these. There was a thing you, you I remember as a kid, there was some sort of magic trick which used this principle of folding and opening. And as you fold and open in a different way, you're presented with a different face due to the way the elastic binds these two pieces together. Oh, and there yeah. was a trick we used to do as kids you know, putting a playing card in and going, look, it's disappeared or whatever it is. Um, but now, and now it's a wallet, which Steve has, re- has discovered, which does look rather fun. Very, very hard to explain without seeing the pictures. Or better still, there must be a video on YouTube. Go check it out. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. Magic wallet. Uh, Chris, you had a, a, a variation on this? Uh, yeah. Um, what I used, slimmed down from carrying a big fat wallet, was um, a carbon fibre money clip. Um, I keep it with a couple of cards and a couple of notes um, in a little leather pouch, which is uh, only a tad bigger, uh, where I also keep one of those uh, Swiss cards that oh, yeah. um, Steve have mentioned oh, yes, in past shows. Uh, Victorinox. Yes, yes. It, so the, the leather pouch is just a little bigger than that Swiss card and fits the um, fits the money clip and, and a few coins just to stop you getting holes in your pockets. Um, all very effective. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my, my dad has one of these clips, and I, I um, have never had one myself, but he, he seems to quite like it. And the other thing is that, unlike Chris and my dad and Steve, I don't never have any money. <laughs> <laughs> so, cash, I'm, a, I, I'm a cashless society myself. <laughs> well, they, they are useful for organising your cards, yeah, and the benefit yeah. is they, they also... Um, prevent your car being scanned because they're um oh right oh okay very good pretty very nice now gentlemen 
you said with a mouth full with a mouth full of mince pie. <laughs> it's time for a jingle, yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now what's this? It's my jingle bells. <laughs> jingle bells. Oh, please yourselves. Steve Litchfield is back on the SanDisk Ultra Flare 64 gigabyte USB 3.0 flash drive. When did storage get this cheap, he says? 10 quid for the 64 gigabyte uh, flash drive. Only five years ago, we had to weigh up storage versus value um, against what we could afford. Given that 64 gigabytes fits my entire music collection (laughs) for a tenner, it seems to me that one can buy almost any USB disc in 2022 and get way more than one needs, certainly in terms of value. Just buy a dozen 16 gigabyte USB discs, for example, and use them as we used to use floppy disks back in the old days almost disposable um yeah 10 quid for 64 gigabytes and 128 uh my i would need a 128 64 is not big enough for me but um yeah i absolutely right i I think it's storage um and cards um are getting cheaper and cheaper on tech addicts podcast gareth and i quite often look at these ssds and are amazed at almost every time they come they come down in price and also those one terabyte micro sd cards they just seem to come down and down i remember they started off at 450 quid and last time we looked at them (laughs) they were 130 quid and it's just amazing how they come down. Uh, anyone else? Well, I'm going to um, one-up Mr. Litchfield and say, mine's bigger than yours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that I use quite a lot is um, my 360-degree cameras, which record in 5.7K video. So uh, they do chew through quite a lot of storage. So uh, I recently bought a 256-gigabyte micro sd card from sandisk uh the other thing is they have to be uh one of the fast ones as well because of the uh right. the bit rate that's going through them and 256 gigabyte cost me 29.99 wow 256 gigabyte eh? and that, so that's so that's three times the size of his but more than three times the storage so yeah that's a better bargain isn't it it's barking isn't it and we've all been at it because i've just bought i won't even try to pronounce the usb <laughs> flash drive a 64 gigabytes and i only paid about eight quid for this thing yeah. and the benefit the usb of the one i bought has it's got it's got usb a and usb c on it so you can transfer stuff from your computer to your to your phone with great ease with this thing. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, very useful. It hmm. is mad, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember when my, my brother, I think I may have said, before wrote the computer game Elite way back in the 80s. And I remember, you know, it was called Elite and not The Elite because The would have used up three more bits. And they were absolutely <laughs> desperate to save every single bit of information they could. And now look, look where we've got now. I mean, it, it is it is barking, isn't it? Bonkers. Bonkers. Bonkers it is, isn't it? Oh, time for another Christmas jingle. I wonder who bought it. (laughs) (laughs) This this, this time we're going to go with something I know who bought it, just to break the rules, because my mum bought it. And it's a modernful bathroom grab rail but it's not being used as a bathroom grab rail where we are it's being used as a garage steps grab rail it does just the same job though it's um one of these uh, people one of these um kind of grab rails that you attach to the wall and obviously you can grab it and it helps people with mobility issues um climbing up steps normally or getting out of a bath or whatever this one is uh, currently 21 quid with a five pound a five cent voucher off so probably ends up being about 18 pounds something um it's this is this particular one that we got was 48 centimeters long it's got a one and a half inch um fatness to the handle which is just about right we found and it comes with a, a set of screws and the plates on the top and the bottom you just that they come away and then you do the screwing underneath and then put the plates back to make it all nice and tidy stainless steel it's made of with this really thick plastic around the outside um non-stip non-slip bumps um so it works when it's raining outside as well as well as in the bathroom where it might be steamy and slippery um 
and it's a yeah so it's a really good handle and it's and it's um it's worked very well so far since uh, mum got it and it's helped her very much it's also luminous amazingly now until i read the blurb to to put this into the show today i didn't realize it was luminous but actually thinking back it, it does look kind of it's got these green bits on it so i'm gonna have to go and have a look at it to see it glowing in the dark wow. <laughs> i'm i'm liking this more and more i was very taken with this ted because i i have bars like this for my mother in the house because she's also elderly and needs this support and i've had to go around the wrapping horrible old you know i think we've talked about it in the show before these kind of um frictionful tape that you can find for various reasons yeah and i've had to wrap this around my mother's because they are indeed slippery and you found one that's got the friction grips on it already and it's luminous yeah to it. yeah, yeah. It's i'm a, very jealous of your mother it's it a good bar and it certainly does what it was intended to do uh, i even um tried to have a go at it putting it on myself but have you ever tried to attach a load supporting um structure like a, a grab rail to a breeze block uh, it's really not difficult. To a I mean, block. I've had to do it on yes. walls and it's dangerous. So how do you do it, Chris? You have those funny things that go through and put and come out at the other end, don't you? Does that make any sense? Um, <laughs> I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it, it's, it just crumbles. It's all about the size, my dear. Um, yes, you, you need a much bigger area because breeze block is relatively soft material, so you need to have a, a very large area in whatever you're screwing into. So yeah. a standard sort of roll plug ain't good enough. Um, what I typically use for those sort of things is um, there's an epoxy resin that comes in a glass vial and what you do is you drill your hole you stick the glass vial into the hole and then you hammer the screw in and then give it a good stir and it automatically sets the epoxy resin around the screw bad news is you can't take them out but the good news is they don't come out right well, I had a go myself, and I tried really hard, but it was just all crumbling away, and I thought, I'm not going to carry on with this because there'll be no wall left. So in the end, we got some local um, you know, professional yes. um, chappy in, and he did it and showed me Somebody up. Somebody who um, knew what they were doing is what you're trying to exactly. say. <laughs> yeah. Ted, I have a question. Yeah. What's Moden? This is a Modenful bathroom grab rail. Oh, it, <laughs> What is Moden, think, of which it is full? I think... I think you'll find that that's Cantonese for wonder. Do you know, I just don't know whether to believe you or not. <laughs> we... <laughs> Move on. Um, look, just, I was just going to say that um, I've, I can show, I've shown you a graph in my um, Amazon affiliate link uh, shopping thingy, and you can see where everyone's been out doing their um, Christmas shopping because in November, the, the graphs go right up top, and then um, we come into December, and it's going straight down again. So obviously everyone has been out Christmas shopping in November. November. Very interesting, I thought. Anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for using the affiliate link. It's really helpful. I do get some money back from that. Um, I got about uh, £35 paid for me for the last two months. So, uh, you know, £17 a month. And that's really worth having. That's really helpful to me in my situation. So thank you very much. Tinyurl.com forward slash Amazon Ted UK. Thank you, Ted. Time for another jingle. Excuse me. Yes, my cheapest chips is the Aldi Holly Lane Marzipan Stolen. Oh, happy Christmas! I'm sure, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure Mr. Bell is very familiar with Stolen. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, to... yes, that's Gurner, danke. <laughs> yes. Um, now, I, I've had some incredibly expensive ones from the uh, German Christmas markets that we have here in Manchester. Uh, and somebody one year even bought us one from Fortnum Mason. Oh, um, how lovely. <laughs> but honestly, I couldn't say they were any nicer than the one that I get from Aldi, and it's a mere £2.49. Oh. I like mine warmed with a little bit of butter on, but um, however you take it. No, I'm sorry, I'm going to pull you up on this. I'm reading our recording notes here, Mr Kelly, and it says slathered in butter. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't edit on the fly. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris likes to bathe his, his stolen in butter. I do, I do. It's very true. Right, for people that are, are completely ignorant, what what is stolen? It, it's, it's a bread product that has fruit in, and the bread is sort of a, a long sausage shape and they roll it around um a a a sausage of marzipan and then it's oh, baked right. 
So you get sort of a fruit loaf, and down the centre of it is this ah. tube of marzipan. Um, Aldi actually do a, a, a posher version, which has double the amount of marzipan in, and it's topped with toasted almonds to make it um, rather flash, and that's uh, rather extravagant, £3.99, which I think is over the top. So I pay two forty nine for the cheap and cheerful one, and it's absolutely love lovely, slathered in butter. Merry <laughs> mm. Christmas. <laughs> The reason that I probably don't know what Stolen is is because I don't, I really can't stand marzipan and uh, um, almonds. Oh, almonds. You don't I like just marzipan. Can't, uh, oh. Oh. I'm I'm actually allergic to almonds, but marzipan I just I hate the taste of anyway as well, which is probably why I don't like Christmas cake. I find Christmas cake just disgusting. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too, Mr. Scrooge. Yes, humble <laughs> Christmas cheer. Go on then, tell us what you do. Right, like. I'll, I'll, I'll recover. I'll recover my Christmas cheer by telling you about an assorted box of Christmas cards, cheapest chips. I, I'm the last one to buy Christmas cards because I think they're a waste of money. They kill trees. They get thrown away. They cost a fortune, and you've got to buy a stamp if you want to send them. <laughs> and, I thought you said uh, blah, you were going to get your blah, Christmas blah, blah, blah. spirit. But, <laughs> shush, but, but if you are going to buy a Christmas card or a bunch of Christmas cards, why not get this one? A bunch, a bumper box, 40 cards for four ninety five, cheap chips, and they end up being 12p each. Now, for 12p, I might actually change my mind. But I do think that, all joking aside, I think it's something that, uh, you'll probably both prove me wrong here, but I think it was something that older people want to do more than younger people. Younger people are into emails and communicating in different ways. And I, I, I'm always saying to my mum and dad, why don't you just email them? You know, they've got this friend in France and they go to all this extreme lengths of sending a Christmas card. And, um, you know, it, it's just all, a lot. just email them. And But they don't want to. They want, oh, no, I'd like to get a card. And I know, Aidan, you're going to agree with them but do you know um, what i agree with them on behalf of my mother because she's of the same generation and is very keen on her cards and and you know fantastic and she sends cards and she receives cards and she also emails i mean the new thing that a lot of people do or new the thing other thing that a lot of people do is not only emailing but having a christmas message email that goes round like a round robin to all of their friends which my mother does right. additionally to christmas cards personally i haven't sent a christmas card for years i put one in your present when i sent you that clock ted and i oh, think yeah, that's the first did. christmas card i've written for about 5 or 6 or 7 years <laughs> so count you're right. lucky, Mr. Yeah. Scrooge. <laughs> well, I think for the price of a Tassimo Americano pod, it's probably okay. That's that's a cup of coffee to normal people, is it? <laughs> <laughs> we worked we worked it out one day. They're twelve and a half pH these pods, and I know that I'm in the company that would spit on my Americano pods. But um, yeah, twelve and a half pH, and that's the price of a Christmas card. I would be all for you sending coffee to people at Christmas, Ted. Now there's a new tradition. Let's send coffee pods instead of Christmas cards. <laughs> Good idea. I'll just give you my little uh, anecdote about people sending Christmas cards. Yeah. The um, the sister-in-law who I am going to be spending this Christmas with and have done for the last twenty odd years since I've been with the current Mrs. Kelly. Um, she sends out with her Christmas card a letter. And when I say a letter, it's usually three or four pages of a letter, which is a look how wonderful my life is and look what I've been doing all this year with my wonderful children and my wonderful <laughs> husband. <laughs> and, every, and every time it turns up, I just sigh and roll my eyes. Oh, dear. Yeah. There's a lovely adage that says, may your life one day be as wonderful as you pretend it is on Facebook. Um, <laughs> quite. Yes, indeed. Right, moving on then. I want one, I want one, I want one. I want one of those. Robert's Revival Petite. The Petite? It's not Petite, it's Petite. Someone can't spell, it's me. Right, now this is a little radio, a DAB radio, and they've run out. Well, have a look now, I'm not sure if they've still run out, but they were flying off the shelves, and these are so cute. It's no wonder they're selling well for people. People must be getting one for Christmas presents and things. But they just look cute, they're tiny, they've got the Robert's name on them, and they just look lovely. I'll link in the show notes to a What Hi-Fi review as well. Everyone seems to love these, they're really 
really cute. And apparently, this, according to that review, the sound um, output defies the size of these things. They sound really good. I'm not going to pay the 99 quid they want for one of those, but apparently they, um, you know, they, they actually say that it's very bassy as well, the sound coming out of it. Lovely, lovely little DAB radio, cute little retro design. The only downside to it is there's no 3.5 millimeter out, which will upset Aiden. Um, <laughs> and also, it's got micro USB charging. And, that, and uh, if it was if it was USB C charging, I'd be all over this, I think. But it's it's just so cute, and you can buy it in all these lovely array of colours. It's just lovely. Twenty station DAB presets, Bluetooth connectivity, of course. Twenty hours playback on the, the built-in battery, and apparently that rich bassy sound. Everyone needs one of these, don't we? It's a Robert. It's not, excuse me. It's, it's a Robert. <laughs> What's not to love? This is gorgeous, Ted. I want three of these. <laughs> I have to say, it's it's really really attractive. The only trouble is, I don't listen to the radio anymore. Uh, well, you can you can Bluetooth to it. Yeah, there is that caveat. You do really need to listen to the radio, unless, as you say, use it as a Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> yeah, rather a waste, though. I I I, yeah. I would use it as a, as a radio personally. Um, but anyway, there you go. Um, that's my I want one of those because I would want one of those, but I'm not going to pay ninety nine quid for it because I do not need another radio or another Bluetooth speaker. So let's move on to Chris. <laughs> Chris, what do you want? So my I woot. I'm going to call, coin that as uh, that's what we're calling woot, it from yes. now. I woot. Sounds um, like a character from Star it, Wars. <laughs> yes, um, it's a, just a tad more expensive. Not much, mm-hmm. just a little more expensive. Um, to give you the background to this, my very first proper motorcycle was a Yamaha RD250. It was a two-stroke twin engine. Um, and I loved it, had it for three or four years. It was fantastic. You know, 17-year-olds tearing up the street. Well, they fell out of fashion because uh, two-stroke engines are a bit noisy and smelly and inefficient and pollute the atmosphere. But just down the road from me in Wigan, a new company has set up called Langan, and they've designed a hand-built 252-stroke motorcycle for the modern age. It uses all the latest modern uh, engineering techniques of fuel and oil injection to make sure it's not as uh, polluting as the originals were. Um, the only downside is the basic model is £33,600. <laughs> that doesn't matter. It's an iWoot. You can have it. To, we've, bought, we've bought islands onto this before, Chris. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, you know, because they're all bespoke and handmade, you can the price goes up from there, so you can have whatever you want, you know, gold taps or whatever. But um, yeah, it, I'd put the picture in. What What do you think? Do you think it's? I think it's a piece of engineering art. <laughs> it looks lovely. I'm not a biker. Uh, You'll have to answer this one, Ted. I've never well, been I, a biker I, in my I, life. I, I, I used to have a one two five cc bike, um, which had a proper motorbike um shape and uh, had gears under your left foot and all the rest of it the 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 one i've got at the moment is a little moped and it's nothing like uh, a proper motorbike but um what i was thinking was that that you need to be quite fit because the position you'd need to sit in to ride this thing (laughs) you you need to have your your you need a strong back route to be bent over do you not suffer in that supposing you rode your motorbike um for you know i don't know uh, 200 miles or whatever would you not start to get a a back problem well i certainly would if it was on this particular motorbike the motorbike that the style of motorbike that I've had for the last decade or so, um, it it's not been uncommon that I've done a thousand miles in twenty four hours on the right. So. And you're also yeah. sitting on the exhaust pipe. That can't be pleasant either. No, no, no. The the exhaust pipe is as you're looking at the picture. It's on the other side and it's sort of um, well, angled up. What on earth then is that Auspuff, as they say in German, coming out <laughs> of the back? It looks like another exhaust pipe. Oh, sorry. The sorry, you're absolutely right. I hadn't spotted that right, one. I'll yes. say it again. So it, you're sitting on the exhaust pipe, <laughs> aren't you, Chris? <laughs> um, yes, you are, and it's a very thin seat. Yeah. Um, so you've got but, an exhaust but, pipe between your bum cheeks. Is basically how you're riding this bike. 
Uh, actually, my, my motorcycle um, has a V-twin engine, and one of the exhaust pipes does loop underneath the seat. And at this time of year, it's very pleasant. Oh, I see. You get warm buttocks. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, I I did enjoy motorbiking back in the day, but I I just feel a bit kind of too old for it now. I quite like um, pootling around on my moped. It's absolutely fine, except that it doesn't like cold weather. Um, it really struggles in cold weather, but it is, it's a four stroke, which apparently is quite unusual for a little 49cc moped. Um, and I do wonder if that's something to do with the fact that it doesn't like cold weather. Yeah. In the, um, motorcycle school that I work for, we, we have four stroke, um, scooters, 56, mm-hmm. well, 49cc. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have to say, they they do take a little warming up in the morning before they. They're a bit like myself; they they cough and sputter a bit before they get going. If I yeah, if I try and ride it down the road before what I've what I've done now is if it's cold, I just go and turn it on for ten minutes before I go try to go anywhere. Because if I don't, um, I go down the road and it just it just peters out. It just stops. It's like there's a fuel um, blockage, or it's just not getting through the auto choke or whatever it is that is behind it. But um, yeah, the ten minutes of warm up just seems to work okay right let, let me take you from a 33 grand buttock warmer <laughs> to now you know mine may very well be another notch up in the financial scale i actually couldn't find a price for this this is how amazing what i found is i could not anywhere on the relevant website find any pricing i found an underground bunker now, for no reason other than that I just stumbled this upon the web one day and it looked fun, I'm bringing it to the show. I've decided I want one. It's a website called um, called risingsbunkers.com. They have some fantastic videos. They have some 360, um, you know, uh, what do you call them, virtual displays that you can, you can go around as if you're playing a computer game, look around these bunkers. They have little weenie bunkers of about one room going up to practically underground mansions, uh, all of them obviously literally under the ground and I just thought wouldn't it be fun to have something like this, especially in this weather in the garden, that you can just have a little hatch or a little doorway or even a little, a little entrance from your home that just takes you underground to your own little warren, your own little labyrinthian lair under the garden as I say, I can't find the price I'm sure the price is probably running to the hundreds of thousands um, I, I did find it, Aidan You did? He shrugged. Oh, yes. well, go on then. There, Shock us, Ted. Here we go. There, Ladies and gentlemen, there, the price is... There's one There's one that they call the aristocrat. Okay. Um, it says it's capable of sleeping up to 50 people. <laughs> that's not a bunker, that's a hotel. <laughs> it, it is two levels, oh, and it costs $8.5 million. Oh, oh, goodness. Okay, I mean, but you know, even yeah. in the world of I want one of those, I was actually thinking of more like just a couple of rooms under the pond. <laughs> well, the, the thing that concerned me was this this one that's at $8.5 million, <laughs> million. Can, can sleep 50. There are only five bathrooms. Oh, now you're just getting pedantic. <laughs> I don't really think... It does. It does have a swimming pool and uh, a shooting Good range, though. Grief. So uh, you know the essentials. Never mind bathrooms, but you know. so I mean, I suppose in the event of a nuclear holocaust, you'd be fine until the food ran out, wouldn't you? If you were prepared to share uh, it, a bathroom. It, it, <laughs> It, it, do, it does have three indoor gardens. Oh, good grief! What do you think, Ted, about all of this nonsense? I was. Uh, we were talking about this with the family a few months ago about if it would be difficult to build a cellar. So you've got a house, and it hasn't got a cellar. And cellars are great because we were talking about it in the in the hot weather. We thought that would be lovely. You have a room underneath your house when the weather is really really hot. Just go mm-hmm. down there. But it, it seems like it's actually quite difficult to to dig yourself a hole, even if it's underneath your house. You've got to have all sorts of permission and building regs chris you must know about this don't you um i've watched a fair bit of grand designs where people have um built houses that go into the ground and they invariably seem to have problems with water ingress so while i i do like the idea and the idea of an underground bunker is fantastic and Mm. especially uh, because i like to watch the movies with the surround system and crank the volume up much to the disgust of the rest of the family um, I could go down in my underground cellar and be a troglodyte, but um, yeah, water ingress is the problem. Right. Okay. So you'd have to do, have it done really, really, really well. 
Indeed. Now stop it, both of you. When I wanted to bring an island onto the programme, nobody said, oh, but Eden, how will you get to the island? And oh, it's not very practical. Come on, I mean, I'm just having some Christmas fun here. I want a house under the garden, that's all. <laughs> you have it, go on. Right. Maybe that's what the swimming pool's for, to catch all the water that exactly. comes in. Exactly. There we go. You see, there you are. Right, jingle time. Okay, this is one I think I brought to a previous show, and I can't recall when it was if I did. Oh, that's very meta. You're bringing your still using to still using. (laughs) Indeed, yes. But I know that the item was old when I brought it. Right. It's my Leatherman Juice CS4. Um, And apart from... um, It's a a multi-tool, pocket multi-tool. And apart from the usual... um, knife blade and a can opener and a flat screwdriver Mm -hmm. this one actually comes with a proper forged phillips head screwdriver a pair of scissors a really effective corkscrew and a pair of pliers which um you know it all pops in your pocket in something that's just over three inches long the blade itself is less than three inches and it doesn't lock which is particularly important because uh uh, that makes it legal to carry in the UK. You're not allowed a locking That's blade right. on, I went a, through on that a knife with my in the UK. Swiss Army knife, yes. Yes. Um, unfortunately, they discontinued it a couple of years ago. So I actually, I actually bought a second one as a backup in case I lost this one. Um, and that one's brand new and sitting in the drawer still because the one that I've got, I'm still using. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I've never owned a Leatherman, but I've come across them all my life long because working in the theatre and in television and film, you know, no self-respecting technician would be seen without a Leatherman around their belt. So um, I know Leathermans very well from other people, but I've never had one of my own. So good to hear that you've got one. How long has this been going then altogether? How many years? I, I think I've probably had this one something like... 15 to 20 wow. years that that sort of one but I say they don't make them anymore and the the other thing is you cannot now get a leatherman that does not have a locking blade so to be legal in the UK you simply cannot have a leatherman yes. or or move <laughs> thank you ted <laughs> i'll tell you what i'm still using do you remember, Ted, I made a big thing of this on the show. Um, it's an over, it's a Milec overdoor air cushion heater. Um, oh, yeah. Back in November 2019, I was concerned about um, the... Sorry, I got slightly distracted there, making sure it was a year old. I know how you want to make sure of that. Um, <laughs> uh, we have the front door very close to where my studio is. So when the front door is open, masses of cold air whooshes through into the corridor and, and cools everything down and there's no heating in that corridor. So I had to buy, I, having researched and getting, was very interested in whenever you go into a shop, you get this lovely curtain of hot air that plays down on you as soon as you get in the door. I mean, I'm sure we've all yeah. had the experience of walking into a shop not to go shopping at all, but just to stand in the doorway for a moment or two and then leave. Or oh, you haven't, Ted. <laughs> you don't want to get warm. Um, <laughs> the problem I had was I've only got 16 and a half cents centimetres clearance between the top of the door and the ceiling, which is very little. And I managed to find this thing um, and bought it and set it up. And it's been running ever since. It's on a timer. So it comes on and go- it's on a nice old fashioned mechanical timer. Comes on in the morning, goes off in the evening. It's got a thermostat control. So it just comes on and goes off as it wants during the day to keep the room just tepidly warm. And it works a treat. And it's gone on working a treat since I've had it. And I'm very happy with it. And I'm still using it. And you can't buy it anymore. I just looked on Amazon and it's not available well, anyway. But others, no, <laughs> other makes are available. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They are. That's, I, I remember you doing the project and, and it was um, quite a lot of work to get it all sorted out and all right. And you, you tested one and then it That's was no right. good. That's right. I sent, sent one back. back, yes. Yeah. And uh, I remember it all going on. So I'm glad it's still working. That's great. Even if it is only just over a year old. <laughs> Well, it's still a year old. Thank you, Ted. What... I'll, I'll make up for your lack of um, <laughs> distance. My one was in Whatever Works 48 in November 2017. 1817? That is a long time ago. Yes, Ted. <laughs> yes. Um, this is the Addis Long Handle Dustpan and Broom, which oh, is still being used. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. Mum and Dad um, have it in their house. Um, I, I guess there's not much you can say about it, really. It's a plastic um, dustpan and brush, but it's got long handles, and so you don't have to bend down. So people, um, as they get older and uh, don't need to kind of soup down the floor with a traditional dustpan and brush, and it just works. Um, it, the quality is good because it's an Addis one. It's made of this strong plastic stuff, and when you've done your sweeping, you can just then tip it into the bin or whatever, um, again, at arm's length and not have to bend down. Great little thing, and it's really helped them. And um, I'm, when I'm there using it, I'm just being lazy, of course. But, um, yeah, good good little item. It's currently £15.60, but I'm not sure how much it was when I bought it. I forgot to check, but it, was about, it wasn't far off that. It's a good little item. And Steve Litchfield is back. I told you he was going to be on the show. <laughs> he wants to put into Room 101 the irresponsible use of car parks. This rings a bell. This time of year, car parks are even busier than normal, he says. Some people try to go into car park spaces forwards, a process which can take them several tries to get even remotely centred. And then they have even more trouble reversing out without hitting anything or anyone. In the dark afternoons and evenings, it can be very dangerous for pedestrians. I appreciate that there's lots to be loaded into a boot, so going in forwards is sometimes preferable, even advisable. But reversing it is so much more efficient, so that the steering wheels of the car are the right end to execute the manoeuvre. It's physics. Rather than being tra trapped in the depth of the space. Um, and it's also safer when coming out, of course. So, yeah, fair point all round. Um, as I say, I think Steve has ranted about this one before. Um, car parking, the, the thing that we spoke about, car parking spaces previously, is that they're too blooming small. They're always too small. So even if you're the fittest, youngest person around, you quite often still have to kind of squeeze out of your door. Um, and we spoke, I don't know if you remember, Aiden, we spoke about car park spaces that some um, supermarkets, one of them was the Chichester Sainsbury's, I seem to remember, where they had made the um, spaces, each side of car park spaces, bigger um, in part of the car park. And not just for children or disabled people, but for anyone to use. Um, and they were very popular. And, and I, don't, I don't know if they carried on doing more of those. But, of course, the problem for them then is that they have less spaces in the car park. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts? Yes, I, I agree. And I think it's one of the things the British are useless at is car parks. And if you go to other countries, particularly, for instance, America, but of course they've got the space there. But even in Europe, even in Germany, car parks are just better. They're, 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 they're brighter to start with. Their spaces are marked out better. They are larger. Uh, they very often have these little um, LEDs, you know, green for, for not occupied, red for occupied. And, and this is what I don't get in this country, and another one I'll throw to Steve, they're numbered. Car park spaces in Europe are numbered. So you just leave your car, you glance at the floor. Oh, this is number 137. I remember where I've parked. In England, you can uh, spend right. hours walking around a car park <laughs> trying to find your car in these tiny, tiny spaces. So, yes, I, I mean, I see your point, Steve, and I raise you several others because the English are crap at car parks. Happy Christmas, everyone. Because <laughs> 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 you're fine, Chris, aren't you? Because you ride a bike, so you just squeeze into any little space you can find. Absolutely, yes. Everyone should go to two wheels, not four. The world will be a much happier place. Okay, well, on that happy thought, what have you brought us that isn't so happy? <laughs> okay, this this is another motoring slash safety item. And again, I fear I may have mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. My Room 101 is the obsession of some politicians and certain campaign groups that they have with speeding. Now, let me be clear, I am not condoning speeding. I have volunteered for a road safety organisation for over 30 years. I recognise it's illegal and you shouldn't do mm -hmm. it. But the focus that people put onto it is that A, they care about road safety and B, are doing something about it. The reality is, it's just a smokescreen. Because according to the government's own data, speed in excess of the limit only accounts for 6% of the killed and seriously injured KSI statistics, while driver error accounts for 66%. 
So what they do is they throw up this smoke screen. Oh, look, we're going to focus on this thing. Let's demonize it. Let's put all the robot monitoring systems so we don't actually have to employ people who will assess the standard of driving. And I think it's doing a disservice to the world of the safety on our roads. Driving standards have got much poorer, I feel, um, as cars have got inherently safer. Um, I think what we should do, rather controversial, I think we should get rid of the licence for life and everyone should be retested at um, a frequency, I would suggest every five years. Um, Some might argue it needs to be longer. But um, as part of my work as as an instructor, uh, volunteering, I'm tested every three years. As part of my um, role training learners, um, I'm assessed at least once, if not twice a year. So I have to be checked that I'm up to standard. And yet the people go out there, you give them a licence, and they're expected to stay competent for the rest of their lives. I think it's wrong. And what about the infrastructure you'd need to support that, though? I mean, look at look at trying to get everyone vaccinated, for example. It's it's taking absolutely ages. If you started saying, right, everyone has to be retested every five years, that you would need to a a, a body of new employees, a, a huge department to to. Do you see what I mean? It, it would be a big I, undertaking, I... wouldn't it? I absolutely do, but it would be self-funding. Every person that is killed on the roads costs about £1.5 million in the um, policing, corner off motorways, all the rest of it, and then there's the lost revenue for the businesses that are delayed through all that. It's really expensive to have people killed on the roads, whereas this would be self-funding. So, yes, I agree, you can't do it overnight, you know, the, the COVID testing, yes, was set up in haste. There's no need to do this in haste. They can take the time setting it up um, and it will save the country an absolute fortune um, and actually provide work for people going out there and doing the testing and training um, that will be required. So I only see it as a win-win all round. Fair enough. I do agree. I agree completely with you, Chris. And I think going back to the business of speeding versus um, driver incompetence, the problem is, of course, it's very easy to have automation to check for speeding because you simply have speed cameras. But to check automatically driver incompetence would, again, be an enormous um, uh, financial outlay. And I'm not even quite sure how that would be done, because, as you say, it takes human um, interception to actually notice poor driving in the main, doesn't it? Yeah, you just employ the right number of police and and put them out on the road to watch these things. And as I say, if you look at the cost of not doing it, it isn't expensive to do it. It sounds, oh, I've got to employ all these people. Well, yes, but you'll save a fortune and you'll save lives. Thank you, Chris. I think that's no, no. no I, I think I think Ted and I both agree with you. Um, although I take Ted's point of the infrastructure being difficult and expensive to implement, but um, let us move on to something slightly more frivolous. I'm going to put myself into room 101. <laughs> this hasn't been done before. I think I'm putting Aidan Bell into room 101 for being available to record the show and then saying he wasn't going to be there and causing a lot of trouble and then being there after all, eating mince pies and wishing everyone a happy Christmas. <laughs> so in I go. <laughs> Net benefit was, though, we got Chris on the show. I was just going to to say, I'm going to throw you the rope ladder, Aidan, to pull yourself back up, because it uh, gave me the opportunity. You're very welcome, (laughs) Joe. This mince pie is lasting me an entire show. (laughs) Shall we have the last and best jingle? Mm -hmm. Now, I only put this into Gold Star so we could play the jingle. <laughs> well, it is um, Christmas. We've got to end on, on a happy note. On, on the last show, I put in Keeper, K-E-E-P-A, um, but we kind of glossed over it. I did put the link in the sh- in the in the announcement, but this is an Amazon price tracker, and it's really useful. Just um, it, it's a Chrome extension, and um, I'll put a link in the show notes so people can go and get it. Um, and it's um, it, it's just adds a bit of functionality to the Amazon pages. So whenever you look at an Amazon page, if you've got this um, extension running, uh, you can see a graph underneath each item. Well, pretty much each item, I think. And it shows you, it tracks you the history of how much it's cost. So you can see where the price has gone up, the price has gone down, 
and what it is now in relation to what it was previous and you can see if you're getting a bargain or perhaps you should decide from that whether you should wait until um you know uh, it, uh um, um a, a sale is coming or something so yeah keeper the amazon price tracker worth sticking into your chrome i don't know if it works on other browsers um i i only use chrome so i couldn't tell i you. have just stuck it into my chrome as you spuck it is now done thank <laughs> you sir well and done. I have to say, I have used the website Camel 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 that does a. Oh, oh I used yeah. to use Camel Camel Camel. I just liked the name. That was all. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, I forgot about yes, that one. Yes, I, I, I installed the uh, the Chrome extension, and, and and the benefit is that it's just there on the page when you're looking at the item. Yeah, when that's it's Camel, right. Camel Camel, you've got to copy and paste the link to to get. Oh, it to work. I see. So, right. Um, so I, I think this is an absolutely fantastic well-deserved gold star and um, mm -hmm. i can confirm it only works in chrome i've tried it in safari and it doesn't work oh okay thanks very much right okay then i think we're done thank you so much chris for coming on the thank show you, chris. it was great great to have you on after all this time and um hopefully it won't be so long next time we'll get our act together uh, have you enjoyed yourself i've Thoroughly enjoyed it, as I always do. You chaps uh, make my day. Oh, it's very Excellent. kind of you, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. Don't talk with your mouthful. Yes. Thank you, Chris. Very kind. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks' time. We'll be back in two weeks' time? I don't know. Um, don't ask we me. We might be back in something like two weeks' time. It depends if Aidan's still in the country or not. Uh, <laughs> whateverworks.works is the website you'll get all the links from the show from today in there of course it's uh, tedsalmon.com is for me aidenbell.com for Aiden. if you want to get hooks to any of our MeWe groups or any of our other audio podcasts you'll find them at podhubuk or at tedsalmon.com head across there and um, yeah that's it really MeWe group sits there so please do, do come and join us and let us know whatever works in your life we should have a bumper crop of things after Christmas of course which is tomorrow morning as we Merry speak Christmas. so um, <laughs> let's all hope that Santa brings us oh, lots of good fun <laughs> so don't forget whatever works works, works. works. <laughs> Merry Christmas Merry Christmas Merry Christmas will you put oh. down those ruddy jingle bells Sorry.